I just want to do God's will. What you're seeking is a blessing from God. You must expect a miracle. You have the power of choice. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to Life Today Live. Great to have you guys here. And uh, we are live right now. So you're invited to be a part of the conversation today. This will be a fun one. Uh, you know, my my pastor, um, well, my former pastor for almost 20 years, we, we just moved. Uh, but he, he, he liked to say that if, if you're not coming out of a storm, uh, you're probably going into one. <laughs> That's just the nature of life. And if you've been around very long, you know, it's just, hey, this is a, this is a tough one at times. Uh, but we don't have to fear. We don't have to worry because... God is with us. We're not rescued from the fight. We are rescued so that we can fight because we're guaranteed to win. There's my sermon. We're going to talk today about uh, how to really live in that peace and joy. And my guest today uh, has experienced that and continues to experience that and probably has to fight for it, I'm guessing, at times. (laughs) Her name is Trisha Goyer. She is the host of the Trisha Goyer Show. If you're into podcasts, I recommend that one, especially if you're a uh, a mommy, because uh, she's uh, really speaking in the lives of, of a lot of women. Um, <laughs> sorry, Judy, I hear you. You do get tired of, of the storms. You want some calm waters. I was on a plane last week, and it was one of the worst flights I've been on. And I led the main cabin in prayer, uh, and my prayer was, Jesus, you've calmed the storms. Calm the winds, please. <laughs> I hate flying. Fortunately, anyway. So Trisha Goyer is with us today. She has uh, a book, a new book out. It looks like this. It is called Heart Happy, uh, subtitled Staying Centered in God's Love During Chaotic Circumstances. And so whether you're in a chaotic circumstance, uh, coming out of one, going into one, there's some hope for you. And Trisha is here to share it. Trisha, great to have you on Life Today Live. Thank you so much. I am so excited to be here. So... Let's start with let's start with you. Uh, tell me about your chaotic seasons and kind of where some of this realization, uh, some of this journey you've been on came from, because I'm guessing it came from your own chaos. Absolutely. Well, talk about chaos. My husband and I have 10 kids. Um, We had three kids that we raised almost to adulthood and then God put adoption on our heart. And I thought at the time, maybe one or two. Well, we adopted one and then a sibling group of two from foster care and then a sibling group of four from foster care. And those older ones were 11, 13, 13, and 15 when the adoption was finalized. So we went to from almost being empty nesters to suddenly having seven children in the house from the ages of about four years old to 15 years old. Um, Some were biologically related, some were not. Even the ones that were siblings hadn't always lived in the same house because they were in foster care. They were moved around. And I'm, I, you know, I write a lot of books. I homeschool my kids. I am always one that think I can handle the storms, you know, pray through it, get through it, which is so important. But it got to the point where even I just was so overwhelmed with the chaos. <laughs> the, the kids, the fighting, the grumbling, the piles of laundry. And then some of the kids really came from trauma and hard circumstances. So dealing with anger in our home, anger from me that I never even, I did not think of myself as an angry person. But when there's a teen screaming in my face, suddenly I felt this anger. And so really, 
it got to the point where I need to realize how to get a happy heart, how to really get centered in God's love before the day begins, because all the kids are there. Oh, and then I forgot to mention my 92 year old grandma lives with us too. So she's lived with us for 20 years after my grandpa passed away. So everyday life in the Goyer house is naturally chaos. No doubt. I, I got to say, <laughs> as uh, being uh, about to hit my one year empty nest anniversary, um, and we love it. You are either you're either crazy or you're called, <laughs> and I'm guessing it's the latter because probably both. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And there's there's times when I'm like, God, this is what you called us to because I'm picking gum off of my vehicle floor, and I'm you know pi again piles of laundry and cooking for all these people, and um, it has been completely overwhelming, but also I mean a blessing too. There's the good, there's the bad, there's the hard, but all of it is the chaos and it really is trying to figure out how we can stay centered in God, how we can really focus on his love when our life is in the middle of that whirlwind. Yeah, I mean, and the, the chaos is in literally in your home, which means it's not like you can, you can go home and, and find your peace. You have to make peace in the chaos. How'd, I, you, how'd you walk that out? How'd you figure that one out? Well, you know, after multiple days of being in the fetal position on the floor, <laughs> crying out to God, um, I knew that things needed to be differently and it needed to start with my heart. Mm -hmm. And I remember one moment when I, I literally had a five foot pile of laundry and I'm trying to like wade through to get to the washer and being so overwhelmed and just crying out to God, like, I can't do this, it's too much the kids, the commotion, the mess. And this still small voice spoke to my mind and it said, I love you just as much as when the laundry's caught up or when the laundry's not caught up than it, when it is caught up. Mm -hmm. And I realized at that time, I was trying to control my outward circumstances to bring peace to my heart. And so the first thing I did is just accept God's love. Just accept that he loves me, he cares for me. I don't have to keep up. I don't have to prove myself. And, uh, you know, some of us make to find that easy for me. I always felt like I had to please God or do things for him. And really just accepting his love was the first step. And then after that, I came across this quote by George Mueller. Now, George Mueller lived about 150 years ago, and he's this wonderful man who opened his home to orphans. And we adopted seven. He had tens of thousands that have gone through his home. Mm. And so George Mueller, there was times when he would always pray and he said he never asked for anything that God knew his needs. And he, one time he had hundreds of orphans living in this one house and they had no food for breakfast. And so he had all the kids sit down and he had them pray and thank God for their meal. There's nothing, there's nothing in the kitchen to serve them, but he said, God will provide. And a minute later, there's a knock at the door and the baker's there with loaves of bread wow. and the baker's said, um, George, God woke me up at three o'clock in the morning and he told me to come in and he told me to bake bread and bring it over. And so he said, children, look, we prayed and we thank God for our food. Here's bread. And then as soon as the baker left, there's another knock at the door and it was the milkman. And he said, my cart has just broke out, broke down. I need a new wheel. I need to unload this milk. Can you use this milk? Mm -hmm. And so within 20 minutes of them praying and thanking God for their breakfast, um, they had milk and bread. And we're so encouraging to think, okay, this is someone I can turn to for advice, even though he lived 150 years ago. And there's actually one of his quotes that said, before he got busy with his day, you know, caring for these hundreds and hundreds of orphans in these different homes, he got his heart happy 
in the Lord. So he actually took time to read scripture, to think about God's love, which God was pulling me to just remember his love. And then to get your heart where you're worshipful, where you're thankful for the day. We're not overwhelmed with just the problems and questions. And so even though I've had a quiet time for many years and I would you know, sit there and read my devotional book and write my journal and pray, I really started taking the extra step of pausing and thinking about God's goodness and thinking about his love for me and thinking about him walking through the day with me, that I could turn to him and all my concerns. And so even before the kids woke up, my heart was happy in God. Mm -hmm. And that made such a huge difference in my attitude, which kind of reflected on the kids' attitudes. They're like, mom, you're kind of weird today. You're like hugging us and smiling. (laughs) What's going on? (laughs) And I realized instead of being so overwhelmed with all the things, to just focus on God and loving the people. And my house is probably messier now than it has ever been in my life, but I have such a happy heart as I'm able to focus on God even in the middle of the chaos. So this goes back to the ongoing human condition of whether you are responding to your circumstances um, Mm -hmm. or whether you are trying to control your circumstances. Uh, What's the, what's the balance there between, you know, doing the things you need to do that you should do, you know, taking charge to a degree, right? Taking care of things. Um, versus, I, I don't know, finding, you know, letting some things go, but not letting right. everything go. You know, you hear what I'm saying? Absolutely. Where do you so, find that balance? Yeah, for us, it really has looking, okay, we've taken in seven kids. So we're going to have to really focus on what our priorities are. We can't do all the things. Um, for for a long couple of years, I cut down on my speaking schedule a lot. Mm-hmm. So usually before I'd be a couple times a month, I'd be out speaking. Well, that's just not possible when I'm leaving my husband with my grandma and seven children at home. So <laughs> that, that didn't become a priority. The kids became a priority. Also, understanding that things like family dinner time, we read books together after dinner, that's even more of a priority than tons of sports activities. So we do let our kids do about one sport each a year. Um, and that's still a lot if, you know, once they all did Taekwondo together. So that was great, but you know, we really have to say, you know, we, we can't do spring sports, summer sports, balls, you know, like all this, all the things or all these activities because we have these kids. So it is really looking at our priorities and, and seeing where our focus is, but also it's looking at our expectations. Um, my husband, cause I'd just be so overwhelmed. And he said, did you really expect to have seven children in our house and be able to keep up with everything like normal? And I'm like, actually, if I think about it, yeah, I just, this is how I run things and this is how it goes. And so it was really understanding that these kids have never been in a home, um, you know, with all this, first of all, all of us together, but even in a home with each other for a while. And so I remember our first evening when we, the, the four girls came and joined our family. It was the first night they were staying the night and we all were sitting around the table for dinner. And one of the girls just started crying and I'm like, what's wrong? Is something wrong? And she's like, I didn't know real people did this. I didn't know that families sat around the table. And so our priorities actually became the routines, the ordinary stuff, instead of all the extra stuff that we were doing. And that has made a huge difference. And when I talk to 
other families out there. I think we have these expectations that we need to do everything. We need to do all the sports, all the church activities, all the kids activities, you know, youth group, all the things together. When really we could just sit back and ask God, like, what do we need to focus on? And for a season, it may be like us, just, we're just going to make sure we have dinner almost every night. And we're going to read uh, the Chronicles of Narnia after dinner, just so we could just build these routines into our families. I think so many times the outward chaos is something we think is normal, um, but we don't have to get caught up on that. We can step back. And when I speak at conferences and go through workshops, I'm like, okay, what things are you doing because um, someone asked you to and you didn't want to say no? What things are you doing because um, someone else is doing it, but it doesn't really work for your family? And I'm like, what would it feel like to cut those things from your schedule? And I can see these burdens actually lift off these faces like, oh, someone's giving me permission to say no to these things. So sometimes the chaos is self-inflicted. Sometimes the chaos is just hard stuff that happens in life that no one expects. I mean, no one, none of us expected the pandemic to come. Um, but it really, when we can kind of turn to God and ask him to show us what's important, what's not important, what do we need to focus on? It really makes a huge difference. What have you seen in some of these children that uh, are in your home or have been in your home? What do I see in the change in them? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So what we saw was, you know, we're taking kids from very hard places that have, you know, there's loss and there's trauma if they're in foster care, it's for a reason. And then being able to see that, you know, we're all a family. Um, They have a hard time and some of them have a hard time believing that they can be loved, that they are loved. Um, It's interesting because I talk about this in the book too. Some of the kids, the more I try to love them, the more I reach out, the more they push away. In fact, one of our daughters, when she turned 18, went and moved um, back with her biological mom. And I think that's another thing that's heavy on my heart. It's hard to have a happy heart when you're trying to love people um, and they're, you know, rejecting that. And so for me, it was understanding that um, I could only give love as much as, you know, it's, I can give love and give love, but it's up to the other person to accept it. And it's actually helped me understand God's love even more. Mm. Um, his unconditional love, which, you know, my leather, sometimes I have a harder time giving love than other days, but God's love is unconditional and just makes me realize like, even when I mess up, when I don't do things right, that God's love is always there. And I try to reflect that in my love towards my kids, but it's hard They have a hard time accepting love sometimes. And it's, you know, just continuing to bring them before God in prayer, praying against the the things in their past, that the burdens on their hearts, the trauma in their hearts. And so um, it's an ongoing process. Uh, the oldest of the, our adopted kids is 22 now, and the, the youngest is 11. So we've had you know 11 years of having a, these additional kids in our home, but it has been a growing process for all of us. I think I've learned more love and compassion, and they have definitely grown in being willing to accept our love and to know that we're for them and that you know um, we're not against them and that we want to help them to have good lives. Yeah. Um- I'm, I'm assuming that, that some of them have been quite uh, welcoming to that type of love, having not had it as well. Are you, I mean, have you seen? You talked about yeah. the one that, that was that was a little maybe difficult experience, but have you had others that have just really just 
Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, one of our daughters, she was so, she would get so upset when her, her siblings acted out because she's like, they're going to send us away. We don't want to get sent away. We're, first of all, we're like, we're not going to send you away, but we have had the, the ones um, that are just like, okay, you're my mom and dad and I am fine. And I don't want to even think about, or, you know, talk about the past. In fact, one of our daughters, when she was five and we adopted her and um, we took her to trauma counseling, we took all the kids to trauma counseling and she just wanted to talk about the past. She's like, I have my mom and dad now. I'm good. I'm fine. <laughs> and the therapist says, you know, sometimes it takes years for kids to work through things, mm -hmm. but she was, I mean, there was tantrums. There's all kinds of difficult situations. Like she was almost testing our love, but she never doubted our love. She never, um, we you know, wanted to think of and talk about what happened in the past and, you know, some of the trauma in her past. And she was like, good. She's like, mom, dad, good. And she's always been like, she's never, she's never that's reverted right. to that. No, yeah. That's gotta be, that's gotta be its own reward. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And just seeing where they are now and seeing, I mean, they came with so many labels, um, you know, so many diagnoses and labels and all the trauma. And you're thinking, are they ever even going to be able to read or be able to be in a, you know, a homeschool, but be at grade level. And it's just amazing to see how they've grown and changed and flourished. And uh, people that knew them, you know, former foster parents or people um, that knew them before we adopted them, they are just so excited to see where they are now. So it has been so worthwhile. It's been a hard process, a tiring process, oh, yeah. but to see them flourishing, even the ones that have challenges or are still challenging my love are doing so well in so many areas that every bit of it has been worth it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm guessing that some of the difficult circumstances will, will come back. I mean, cause let's face it, yeah. when you're raising teenagers, it doesn't matter if they're your own exactly. or if you, exactly. you know. and it's like, it's, it's part of life. It's really understanding that, um, you know, taking on the, the faith and the belief in God themselves. I think whether we have biological kids, adopted kids, foster kids, it is that, and that those growing pains, um, you know, I've had a friend says like when they turn 18, it's like, you're pretty soon like, Oh, you know, you're worried about them leaving the house. And then you go through that 18, 19 year olds. And you're like, okay, when are you going now? Yep. What's yep. going on? Yep. Because they are, they're trying to spread their wings and test the waters. And yeah. uh, they're, yeah. those are usually often challenging years. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, how much is that uh, deposit on that apartment? I'll cover exactly. it. You're out of here. Yeah. You're, you're gone. All right. This is, this is Trisha Goyer's book. It's called Heart Happy. It's available now. And she talk, talks about a lot of these things as well as the lessons that she's learned and continues to learn. And if you want to check out the Trisha Goyer show, that is on trishagoyer.com. And when you go there, you'll you'll see the, the podcast right there. You can uh, check that out. She does interviews like this and uh, encourages you. And so I would encourage you to find more encouragement there. Now, there is one thing, Trisha, that I want to ask you about because, um, I, it, you know, in the church, did you, did you grow up in the church? My mom became a Christian when I was in second grade. So yes, I grew up, I mean, we, she was new Christian. We were all new to it, but yes, I did grow up going to church. All right. So, you know, you know, the, um, we get into this kind of works mentality and, and I don't want to dismiss it because I do believe that we were mm -hmm. created to do good works. Um, but it's like, we get this cart before the horse thing where we're like our salvation, we're going to earn our salvation. We're going to earn God's pleasure. We're going right. to. Uh, and, and there are things that please God and don't please God. So, I, so I, I, I get that, but it's, it's like, once you settle the, your eternity, 
And once you understand all that God's done for you, then I feel like the, the good works come more naturally. Yes. Um, yeah. and, and, and so the, the operative word, I believe, for most Christians, once, you know, once we get to a mature level in, in Christ, is just surrender. It's, it's my sheep know my voice and obey. It's like, hear his voice, obey. Surrender your will to his will, not your will, but my, you know, not my will, but yours. And, and then trust that he's going to do what he says he's going to do. And yeah. you write about that in the book, which is why I bring that up. What have you learned in that process? Oh, I love. So, you know, so many times I think when we first um, follow, start following God. And for me, it was I had grown up in the church. I believed in God, but I had grown up not knowing my biological dad. And then um, my stepdad was very distant. So my mom married him when I was four, but he was there. I don't remember conversations. I mean, we ate with TV dinners in front of sports. I mean, it was just not a relationship. And so I started looking at love for love in all the wrong places as a young teen. Um, and then had my son when I was 17 years old, but it was during that pregnancy that I surrendered my life to God. And so I said, God, I have screwed up big time. If you can do anything with my life, please do. And he's just like, well, let me just wait and show you what I can do. I mean, I write books and speak and 10 kids. I mean, he, he brought me a wonderful husband. But I think that initial surrender, like I was like, here's my life. But then there's like, the, like you were saying, the feelings of I need to do this right. I need to do that right. And, you know, I got to stop watching soap operas. I could start, have to stop reading those romance novels. Like all the do's and don'ts were just... Right my mind for so many years and like oh no why was I not being patient enough or kind enough and it was like such a heavy burden that I was carrying and I think so many times we do look at we need to make sure to be at church and be serving in church and being a bible study and it does out of good intentions right. and for me it was like oh God has changed my life I he saved my soul so I just want to live this good Christian life and raise my kids this way and it's it's very good intentions but it's a very heavy burden and so then it gets to the point where i can't do all the things i was doing because of suddenly i have these children in our home which again i was surrendering to god through adoption and i think god needed to get me to a place where i was at the end of myself <laughs> where i couldn't do the works to make him happy to make him make me realize how much he loves me and then going through and talking about the happy heart like what is keeping my heart from god and i was thinking through it and praying for it it's not just you know of course we want to have that morning quiet time when we're getting happy in the lord but sometimes there's that burden that's still there and so it's really saying god what is what is going on one of my burdens was pride uh, raising three kids almost to adulthood they loved god they were great kids i thought i'm a great mom you know i could i could be a great foster and adoptive mom and then realizing like I'm maybe not that good at all because really hard. And so surrendering my pride was one thing. Yeah. Um, also surrendering that feeling of abandonment. And I remember clearly one moment during my quiet time where I thought back of feeling those abandonments of not knowing my biological dad and my stepdad and just realizing like I can turn to Jesus and like he's always there and his love is always there. And it's almost that you have to get to that point of release and surrender to accept that love, to realizing like nothing I can do will make him love me more or love me less, but he just loves me completely. And that just 
broke down those walls of abandonment where if I don't live up to what he's wanting, he's not going to abandon me. And I think I had those burdens in my heart of all those years of feeling abandoned. My boyfriend, when I got pregnant in high school, he abandoned me. So all these burdens of abandonment were there and just almost suddenly it was with God saying, okay, you, I'm like, at this moment, I'm truly going to leave. You're never going to abandon me. Um, and it's that, that unhindering of my heart over and over again. So I think surrender is going to look different in each person's lives when they actually sit before God and say, what are, what burdens are there? And after each chapter in heart happy, I talk through, okay, this is what my issues were pride and abandonment. And I go into other things too, but what is really burdening in your heart? What are things in your past that bring pain or shame or heartache or make you feel unlovely or unworthy? Um, and so I encourage people to, to work through those things. And that's been neat to see. I had a launch team that was reading the book ahead of time and seeing them saying, wow, I feel so much freedom now to accept God's love because they're able to kind of shed some of those burdens. And so I think, again, the surrender, of course, we when we dedicate our lives to God and we say, here, God, here's my life, do anything with it. That's the first step. But I think there's even more surrender when it comes to realizing what burdens are we carrying that don't need to be there, that God wants to take those things so we don't have to feel that separation from him. Yeah. I, and I, I do think it's daily. I mean, it's just, it's, it it's got, you talk about habits to, to have that joy and peace in your heart. Uh, I think that's one of the daily habits right there that every day you just, just say, Lord, you know, not my will, but yours. And you just lay down the things that you got to lay down and you find the burdens go away. And I hear that. Okay. I'm not a shrink, but I'm going to play one on television. Um, <laughs> you're uh, having foster kids, you know, adopting these foster kids, fostering whatever technically it is, having all these children in your home uh, and, and your own abandonment issues as a, a child and up through your teen years. Is this um, compensating for what you didn't have, or was this God taking a bad situation and turning it into good for others? <laughs> <laughs> so I have thought, like, like all of a sudden we have all these kids. I'm like, was I trying to make up for what I didn't have? Yeah. But there, there's, and I think there's that's part of it. Like God knows our natural tendencies, and to know that I want to just wrap my arms around these kids because I know what it felt like to like not have those relationships and not have those parents. And so I think there's those natural tendencies, but so clearly um, with each of our adoptions, like God just showed up and made it clear, like who was supposed to enter our families. In fact, our first adoption, we had planned to adopt from China and we had done the paperwork and then doors shut. Like, yeah. And I was so discouraged, like, God, we've been praying about this for years. We put money towards it. And I was in bed in tears, crying, uh, fetal position again. That's my go-to when I'm overwhelmed. Fetal position in bed with a comforter over my head. <laughs> and finally, I surrendered. I'm like, God, you know the kid, which is so funny because it ended up being more than one child. But, you know, the child that you have for me, like, I just surrender it to you. And it was actually that afternoon. I was taking my grandma to the grocery store and I got a call from someone I knew from a MOPS group, a mother of preschoolers group that knew a young woman that was looking for an adoptive family. Um, for, she was seven months pregnant mm. and we ended up adopting that baby. But the, with each story of the kids we invited into our home, it was so clear. In fact, with our, the four girls, it was during a worship service at church and I just felt God saying sibling group of girls. Like it was in my mind. And after the church service, I got in the car, shut the door and I'm like, 
sibling group of teen girls, my husband's like, that's the same thing. So uh, I think God knows our hearts and he knows kind of the issues of our past and what things we're going to be drawn to and, and what things we have a tender heart to. But I also know that like when he called us to this, it was so clear. Um, in fact, with I mentioned the, the one and then the four, the two in the middle, um, we were, we heard about them on a Monday, met them on a Wednesday, weren't picking them up on a Thursday because they'd already been moved around that a failed adoption. They're like, we just need to find a home for these kids. And we were even that day before going to pick them up, like, is this what we're supposed to be doing? This is so overwhelming. Like we just met these children and suddenly we're going to have a two-year-old and a five-year-old in our home. And we had been reading through the Bible. And that morning when we sat down, it was um, James 1. And that was um, pure religion is this, to care for the orphans and the widows. And we just started crying because we knew it was like, we've been reading through the Bible you know, for probably a year and a half at this point, because, you know, can't do it in a year, but probably a year and a half at this point. And it was so clear that God was saying yes. And so John and I have talked about, we are so thankful that God made each one of those situations so clear, because in the middle of it, it was like, why do we do this? <laughs> why didn't we uh, choose? And it could be like, oh, I'm just trying to compensate for what I didn't have, or, you know, those feelings of abandonment, but God in each situation, just made it so clear that these were the kids and this is what we're supposed to be doing that during the hard times. And I think we need that because hard times will come no matter what God calls us to. There's going to be really hard times. We think, Oh God called me to this. It's just going to be a breeze. That's not the case. But when we have those moments where we can look back and think of when God called us and think about the promises he gave us and the promises of his word that he's never going to leave us or forsake us. Um, that just carries us through when those hard times do come. Yep. You, you do it to quote Judy, uh, who's watching right now, by the way, Judy, I love the fact that you are live here pretty much every day. So thank you for that. She's my, my number one fan. Um, she says you do it because you're called. And that's exactly what I was going to say. You, you got to hear the call. Otherwise, it will drive you crazy, no. <laughs> and, and it's tough. All right, Trish, uh, I show people the website, trishagoyer.com. Um, I want I want to give you a minute before we let you go um, to tell people what you are doing, uh, even through <laughs> aside from raising all these children, uh, in your podcast and in your speaking and in your books, all which are available at trishagoyer.com. Yeah, well, I love connecting with people and I love um, on this road, I've been on this season, I've been doing homeschool conferences. I've been doing writing conferences. There's another big homeschooling conference that we get to go to in uh, May in Pigeon Forge. We're doing a Teach Them Diligently conference, which is fun because I get to take all my kids along and they just think it's the best thing ever that part of my job, they get to go to these homeschool conferences. Um, and so I always love connecting with people and speaking. Um, I have a speaking page if anyone's interested in having me come and speak. I could speak at women's events and homeschooling and writers conferences. Um, but I'm always working on a couple books at a time. I have some novels that are in the works. <laughs> and um, yeah, so I write fiction and nonfiction. So that's the, the two sides of me. And then on my podcast, um, we have it's, it's a weekly release. And so we always have wonderful guests on there um, talking great conversations and, and then application. I always like to have application of things that people can do in their own home just to encourage them and encourage their kids. 
Love it. My goodness, you are, are busy and productive. <laughs> I, lo- I, I get it. So the I, I understand now the giant stacks of books on your homepage where you're sitting yeah. in the middle. <laughs> it's like Those you got I've written over, have over 80 books published now. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> wow. Well, good for you. Well, thank you for taking a few minutes to share with us and our audience today. I uh, appreciate appreciate you just opening up. And, and oh, by the way, thank you for adopting. I was adopted mm-hmm. at birth. And oh wow, that's awesome! So uh, I I know what I know what it means, uh, and so bless you for doing that. And again, thanks for sharing with our audience today. Appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great being here. Appreciate all you guys watching. Be sure to check out Trisha uh, and the book and make your heart happy too. You can do it. We can do it. We'll be back more this week. So I'll see you again next time here on Life Today Live. In spite of our rebellion. In spite of our failures, God says, I love you. I love you. I love you.